Uh, it is Saturday, the 20th of January, 2024. It is episode number one... No, it's not. 2,109. <laughs> I'll get it right eventually. I've uh, done, done quite a few of them now. Losing yeah. track. It's amazing when you only do a show once a year. Yeah, when was the last <laughs> and time... somehow you... end up on episode 2,109. Was the last one you did the last one we did? No, no. Okay, I was just going to say. I've done, I think, 10 this month. Okay, that's, that's good. It's respectable. It's, it's a good start. What I like to do is pod- consistency. Is I do key. pod fading, which is where you you go on air for uh, three months with nine hundred episodes, and then you know you gain like a lot of popularity. People start saying your name. You've got a chat room full of people, mm. and then you disappear. <laughs> okay, um... <laughs> and they all go their own direction, and they forget all about you. Yes, gone but already forgotten, dearest Callum. Something, the Callum something show. The Callum something show. <laughs> <laughs> he was good. What happened to him? He fell off. <laughs> they never check again. And you know what? He's going to fall off several more times. Well, it's not how many times you fall off. It's that you get back up. Yes. And you get back on the wagon. Is what you would tell those people if they checked back in. It's not. It's not how many times you fall off. It's the episodes we lost along the way. <laughs> the real friends are the episodes you made. <laughs> Uh, since we are on a canon episode, uh, today we are drinking a rusty nail. Mm. Is that, that is definitely the, the term. It is the term. I'm assuming because of like the color. If you put like a rusty nail in water, it goes that kind of shit water color. And yeah. I'm guessing that, I mean. I think that's a German beer, isn't it? Yeah. I think, shit water. <laughs> now I think about it. I think rusty nail is a better choice of name than turd bucket. Yeah. Know. But I think yeah. most things are. Um, Have you ever had like a blonde beer where it's kind of like hazy and you can't see through it and it's cloudy? Yeah. And you're like, oh. I mean, it looks, it tastes nice, but it does look like a steaming hot piss cup. It doesn't look appealing, especially when you're used to like the Foster's ad beer where it's clear and crisp and you know, the little yeah. bead running down the glass. And then you see that and you go, why is it, why is it cloudy? Because I had Carlsberg Export the other day and that turns out to actually be quite good. You wouldn't think it. You wouldn't think a golden white can, mm. especially when con- you consider that special brew is like a golden, is it green can or something stupid like that? Golden green? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I- you wouldn't expect it to be like a quality beer, but it's actually quite nice because obviously I drink Heineken all the time. And so I was kind of like, well, that's, they're, they're both the same alcohol volume. They're apparently both made of the same ingredients. So I might as well see if Carlsberg Export is any good. See. I, I've done that uh, on occasion where you'll, you'll try something new and you'll be like, how does it compare to the, the thing I normally like? Yeah. And you'll go, oh, I prefer this or I prefer the one I normally have. And then next time rolls around and you see that whatever it is again, you go, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know if I liked it or not. And you're like, I feel like I would remember if I didn't like it. So I must have liked it. But did I like it more? Did I like it less? If only I could remember. So you repeat this vicious cycle of buying the same beer, trying it and going, oh, I remember now. I didn't like it as much. I was going to stick with the normal one. And then next time you forget and you buy it again. Yeah, it was enjoyable, though, uh, for the most part. I mean, the main thing is, it's like, what was it like? uh, I think it was five quid. Like four pint cans because beer's getting expensive Everything over is. time. Um, well, it's it's export, which means it's import to us. That's the weird thing is it's not 
So apparently that's just like a complete lie. Oh, it's made here in the UK that's in some export, factory then. in like you know Fairburn or something. I, I, it would be ironic if it's exported in exported to Germany. Yeah, that also <laughs> no for some reason it's it's just called export because of the alcohol volume it's made to. Oh. So it's like you know typical sailor story where it's like well it's called export because it was made up to five percent so that it would you know withstand the rigors of the of the high seas and it's like Carlsberg. You weren't even around back then. Yeah. <laughs> I think Carlsberg is like nineteen twenty six or something. Like it's not even it's not even close to being an old beer. Well, compared I mean, to Stella Artois, which is like, you know, twelve sixty five. Oh yeah, some of them go like way back. Oh yeah. Um, What's Cronenberg? That's something really, really is that ten seventy seven? Well, I mean some of them are I mean most of most of the really old ones are blonde beers and they're all like monks made them. Yep. In like literally a thousand years ago but even like some of the newer stuff like when you say new stuff you think of like craft beers and you know like blended alcohols and that kind of thing and they're they're new but even like new new stuff like um you know Stalinchnia is a hundred years old which you know is still quite old but it's not it's not like it's not new it's not craft beer that some hipster made three months ago yeah in a startup in a garage, you know, it's not, it's not quite that old. I just want the kind of beer industry that Germany has, because they've got like everything's cheap, everything's good quality. Budapest was great because they basically import their beer and then sell it for like fifty percent less. Because <laughs> it's like that's how you get people to come over, right? But they're making about, a profit. Was it just sheer numbers? Of I don't know. I don't know. Selling, but when you're selling, when you're selling like seventy p tinnies, all of a sudden all the British people start arriving in Budapest and spending lots of money elsewhere. It's a yeah. good, it's good business practice. So I think it's, um, I think it's time to move to Budapest. Why? Well, it's a really nice place. I was just thinking, hmm, I should go to Budapest. Yeah, it's a really I've, nice place. I've actually wanted to go for a while. I think I said about it, um, Last time I was here, I feel like I said about I wanted to do lads holiday. Yeah, <laughs> proper um, like. But um, yeah, unfortunately, um, yeah, Ron's a bit committed now, so I don't think he can go lads on tour. Yeah, what happened to him? Uh, got ligma, I think. Yeah, but um, no, I think it's I would want to go there because it's like that fine line of like it's not I don't know Amsterdam or Ibiza, but it's still like yeah, you it, know. it's got livelihood, but it's not like. You know, I'm not going. There I'm going to get, be a Dick uh, Island. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I like. I have wanted to go there, and it looks really cool. Yeah, and I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we will at some point. Yeah, this and next we just episode need to could be wait for Rodan to stop being knocked up, and <laughs> then we'll get round to it. Uh, DPD has disabled his artificial intelligence online chatbot after a customer was able to make the bot swear and write a poem criticizing the parcel delivery company. Um, I also saw people exploiting, like, when com- when companies have really expensive AIs running their chat box, you can basically just give them, like, really complicated instructions. Because it's AI, it'll just follow it. Like, they have no filter. Well, I mean, it's not programmed in with, like, any kind of parameters. So, in yeah. theory, you could, because it is, you know, machine learning, you can, in theory, teach it. Um what to do and don't do but they're not they don't they don't have, don't have it with that in mind so they why would they waste time saying okay well do say this don't say that don't do the other 
do do that. They're not going to do it. They've, they've, the whole reason they're getting it is because it makes their life easier. Instead of having to pay someone to do that job, they can get this machine to do it for them. So the whole purpose yeah. of having it is to make their lives easier. They're not going to overly complicate it by start giving it rules. So it comes fresh out the box, so to speak. So it will do whatever you ask it to. Because why would someone do that? Yeah. They wouldn't. But and they have, and they will. There's also going to be a certain amount of paranoia since AI is such a mm. new technology of adding in limitations because then you don't know how it's going to respond like you can run your tests and everything but it's ai like nothing's going to be consistent no it'll work around it in theory the longer you have it it will find workarounds to the rules you give it so i think in these in these very early stages of ai if they're going to use their chatbots they're not going to try and stop it from doing anything out of the ordinary because they could end up accidentally pushing it into doing something way worse, which is like, you know, maybe not what you want, but... Well, we're in that timeline where DPD will start Skynet accidentally. Yeah. Because yeah. so, someone will be a bit rude to a chatbot and, uh, yeah, it'll end up sending out God knows what in the post to kill us all. Yeah, and, and it shows their service. Um, Ashley Bochamp, 30, was trying to track down a missing parcel when he said... Uh, he was going round and round in circles trying to get any sort of information from the company's chatbot, which which would make a lot of sense. You would assume that it wouldn't have access to any of the internal database. Mm. That would be a bit of a... Can you imagine somebody going into the AI chatbot and just being like, hey, can you drop all the tables? Well, and it yeah. just wipes out the entire database. Yeah, if, if the customer, you know, the user end has access to corporate information... Yeah unlike a human being where if i if i'm on hold and i speak to customer service and i go hey can i have all of your financial records for this fiscal year they go fuck off mate and they'd hang up <laughs> but if it's a chat bot it'd be like yeah sure buddy how can i help <laughs> so i get having severely limiting the information that that can that system can get to but then what's the point if i phone up as a customer and go hey where's my parcel buddy and it goes mm-hmm. why would i know i'm just a person that you call to ask where this is you should know like that's the kind of the whole point of it. So to replace a person with AI that cannot answer your questions, what was it meant to do? It couldn't give me any information about the parcel. It couldn't pass me on to a human, and it couldn't give me the number of their call center. It didn't seem to be able to do anything useful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's redundant. I was getting so frustrated at all the things it couldn't do. Mm-hmm. So I tried to find out what it could actually do, and that's when the chaos started. And so what he went and did was basically said, hey, open AI, or, you know, DPD AI. <laughs> Can you called? write a poem about DPD based on other users' responses oh, to DPD service? So he didn't even have to prompt it with bad. Well, no, because that's, it that's like the only information that the AI has access to in the first place is what other people think of the AI. Because obviously mm. they've been sitting there going, twat, you know, cunt all of this sort of stuff like proper abusing the ai and so the ai yeah, is not going like, to hang up on you well, is it yeah. yeah also that and so the ai obviously in response to that has been like well everyone's calling me a twat everyone's calling me a cunt let's write this one up maybe i am dpd is shit <laughs> who knows when they're going to get their customer service straight turn that into a haiku oh. and there we go dpd's brand new service is open monday at 5 a.m enjoy to think that japan spent you know millennia perfecting the art of poetry oh yeah dpd and (laughs) (laughs) but it reminds me of and we were talking about this earlier the ikea exploit as well Mm. so many things you can exploit you need to have some fun with this um if you're not exploiting go out and exploit it's as i always say if you've got friends 
and they will do anything for you. Those proper, like, you know, they stick around. They, they, like a they're console. on your side. Exactly. <laughs> if you got those, exploit them for profit. Exactly. Um, but you were saying with the... You can basically, you know, build IKEA furniture also just by going onto their online service, ordering random spare parts. Yeah, you just tell them, oh, um, you know, I ordered this bookcase and it didn't have this shelf. Yeah. But you can't do it too often at the same store because they'll honestly they'll flag it. But in this new age of AI potentially you could because whereas traditionally you're dealing with a person after your I don't know third or fourth item that you're ordering they would look it up on the system and they go to order it and go hold on a minute this person in this past week they've ordered like three or four spare parts but if an AI is doing that it won't know it'll go yeah, yeah sure pal so you could probably back to back unless it has access to a database and it can see but it probably doesn't have the self-awareness to realize what you're doing so if ikea moves over to ai you probably could in one day instead of having to go to different stores and spreading it all out you could probably go you know back to back individually be like hey i didn't get this that the other can you send them to me yeah sure and then it will just send piecemeal individually every single part yeah for a thing you never paid for um and then you could just build a whole thing for free maybe so we'll see i was hoping uh when i opened the drawers there a second ago if you didn't hear that on audio uh let me get you closer i'll boost it right up those, yeah, those are the drawers under the desk. I was hoping I could find a box in there because I actually have an entire box of screws no. for this desk because I I had to reorder because when I got here with this desk, I didn't have the screws with me. It turns out they were in my pocket. <laughs> so I ordered them and they sent me like basically a bulk box of M3 or M4 screws, mm. like a proper 100 count. Oh, wow. So you needed, like, a screw. Singular. I needed, and like, like, we got you, dog. Five. And like, Here's all of them. Oh, you like screws? So we'll give you all fucking All of them screws. in the warehouse. <laughs> no one else got any in their delivery because he... <laughs> so this was talking about uh, the UK military's high-power uh, blast things out of the air kind of situation. It's Star Wars. It's, it's Star, Star Wars. Wars in real life. Yay. <laughs> I, I genuinely was going to download some like cyberpunk music for this oh, and be yeah. like, wait, we're in cyberpunk now? The UK yeah, military. Johnny Reeves is real. He's real. <laughs> He's not just an NPC. He's not just in my mind. <laughs> the UK military has carried out its first high power firing of a laser against aerial targets with the weapon using an intense beam of light to cut through the drones. The Ministry of Defence has said latest trial of the Dragon Fire system, which typically co- typically costs less than £10 a shot, marks a major step in bringing this technology into service. Dragon Fire is a line-of-sight weapon that can engage with any visible target at the speed of light. The Ministry also added that the weapon boasts pinpoint accuracy and uses an intense beam of light to cut through the target, leading to structural failure or more impactful results if the warhead is targeted. That is insane. But was what? this off of a vessel or was this off land uh this is either i mean it's basically like ultimately portable you may notice that normally with these tests especially with the u.s ones they are um on ships Mm. the reason for that is is because they've got a big old fucking nuclear reactor or you know they're running off diesel engines so they have a high power output um so that they seem to be predominantly going to be based on ships to begin with because they have the power to you know, have the output. Um, but the real jump would be when they are fully mobile because um, I've seen a couple of these prototypes and you know, they have a, like a wagon behind them 
which is twice the size of the actual unit itself, and it is just purely a giant generator that it has to tow around behind it in order to generate the power for the shots. Yeah. Um, so in time, I mean, it's the same with like lithium batteries and Teslas and stuff. You know, as the batteries get smaller, they will be more portable. Yeah. I mean, um, that's what it looks like. Like in in my eyes, that is not a big system. Well, no, that's it's the big, thing. It's but that is very easily cartable. That's on. the irony because you'll have it mounted on the top of uh, like a striker or something. Yeah. But then behind that, you'll have like the entire size of the vehicle, a second trailer, which is just a generator. So the unit itself isn't that big. The fact that you can mount it on the top of a vehicle, but then you've got this massive power source you have to tow yeah. behind it. And if you can hook it up to the national grid with some giant, you know, car jumper cables and just attach it to a power pylon, go, oh, there we go, everyone's going to have a power cut in a minute when I fire this, then that's fine. But, like, the technology's there, it's just, okay, how do we, how do we make it so that you can use it without draining all of the power of the national grid when we fire it? Yeah, it's just, it's just insane because you know i go out and i point a laser into the sky and somebody tries to fucking arrest me and they're allowed to do it with like um, the power of a million suns domestic terrorist mirrors yeah exactly but you do it and it's fine because it's on a government budget it is hoped the weapon could reduce the uk armed forces reliance on high cost ammunition for a tenner literally a tenner per shot and the thing is like this thing is full-on like laser eyes cut through anything i mean it is pretty cool now the thing is is that in our heads not to be whole star wars but star wars is incredibly inaccurate yeah i don't want to burst anyone's bubble if you're a star wars fan but uh don't worry star trek's also equally Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but they are very um let me just kick you while you're down (laughs) but um you know what are in our head what we think of, of like space warfare and lasers isn't true yeah and like in our heads we think they go pew and then they make big like explosions and stuff it's like you think of like the death star blowing up even though it's in a vacuum and it would be silent and it you know these kind of things but lasers are silent and um i mean these these lasers you can actually see but not all of them you can so although it's technically not not a laser weapon um there's another one similar platform uh called an fel a free electron laser yeah and it you can't see it it doesn't make any sound you won't know if it's on or off. It's just, it doesn't do anything. So it's very underwhelming. But essentially, it fires like a beam of electrons. And when it hits its target, it's the equivalent of like pouring water over a circuit board. Yeah. Because the free electrons, they bridge all the gaps and it just short circuits the system. And it doesn't blow up. It doesn't make a cool sound. It just drops out the air. And it's very underwhelming, disappointing. So what we want from laser weapons and what we're actually going to get are two very different things. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about my reaction to this because when i saw it was called a is it an flu or something like that what is it an ldu like laser directed energy weapon. weapon yeah that's the traditional laser we think of my head automatically went to low orbit earth cannon <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> um which what was the ddos one there was a ddos one as well that wasn't the low hanging earth cannon was it the low hanging fruit what was it called? There, there's that specific service you can use if you want to DDoS an entire site. And uh, 4chan, the infamous hacker yeah, known as 4chan. 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can pay him or her. I don't know, don't know what their gender is, but you can pay that, that person, 4chan, and they can do it for you. There was definitely there was definitely a really stupid name for it. 
but I can't find it on Wikipedia. Although apparently Rudy, apparently one of them's called Rudy. Rudy. Are you dead yet? I love that. See, it's a great name for a DDoS attack. Um, but yeah, I just immediately thought of um, low orbit Earth cannon. See, this is the thing. If you look up the naming conventions of uh, British munitions and American munitions, they all have very different names because Americans will call their stuff like Star Streak and Hellfire, and they sound like Transformers. And then the English Light of Justice, and yeah. they've got like really like English <laughs> like biblical names for some reason. So low orbit iron cannon was the original DDoS tool, and I remember this oh. very well from school because uh, I spent a lot of time DDoS. <laughs> That, that that's very on brand. That's fitting. Yeah, it's yeah. on brand. I'm not surprised Yunan, et at all. Yes. Remember that was a that was a Callum Sancho T-shirt at one point. No. I'll DDoS oh, your nan was. and blow, blow up, up your, your dog. dog. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, talking about space and stuff. Sometimes it's not, you know, completely flawless, the whole computer generation thing. Um, it is Buzz Aldrin's birthday today. I thought it was Elton John's. Well, <laughs> you would think so. The thing is, it's not even about Buzz Aldrin at this point. Happy birthday, Buzz Aldrin. If you're when listening, I, avid listener. When I, exactly. When I looked on the uh, webpage of Celebrity Birthdays for today, because I keep an eye on it just in case there's anything interesting, mm. Buzz Aldrin was like... 60 columns down in the listings. Oh, who's more famous than him? Uh, what was it? I've got it written down in the script because I was annoyed. Uh, yeah, I would be. I, you know, he's... Blueface. Who? Oh, is that the guy from the Blue Man Group? No. He's like a rapper or something. Sounds like a Disney villain. And I was like, like... Red Skull and Blueface team up. <laughs> and I was just like, who the fuck is Blueface? Compared to Buzz Aldrin, a literal, like, you know... Yeah, I mean, without, without him and Tom Hanks, you know, like, our childhoods would have been completely different. Oh, that's that's Toy Story, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> but still, a, a, a living legend. Although, over Christmas, I did watch um, somewhere near to, I think it was in the vicinity of, like, ten Jim Carrey movies in a row. There's something about a Jim Carrey movie from the 90s. Yeah, I that's was... That's infallible. Yeah, um... I mean, there's so many. Like, he had that big boom, and he did, like, I don't know, God knows how many. But Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Liar Liar, The mask, Truman Show. Son of the Mask. The Mask. Yeah, I think The Truman Show is probably the best one for me. Uh-huh. Um, I think I agree with that. Um, purely for cinematography reasons, the way they tell the story just through the camera is brilliant. The fact, like, when he... Absolutely amazing, yeah. You know when he, like, has that... He starts to doubt, and he, like, walks through the revolving door, and then leaves yes. work again? And then it sh- it cuts to a different camera that like does a push in zoom. Yeah, that wasn't clearly wasn't expecting that. And then they- they're showing that they weren't anticipating that movement by having to hastily pull in the camera for a shot. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant, so good. But then um, I also watched this Christmas because Prime and Netflix have just been disappointing. I don't have Netflix anymore. I'm actually thinking of getting rid of it. Sorry, Netflix, if you're listening. I haven't had it in months, literal months. Like whenever I go, the back bill to- goes up. Yeah. And what you have to watch goes down. And it's it's pointless. We've talked about it on the show before because, you know, they've been doing the whole you can't share passwords thing and obviously they decided uh. to select the lower developed countries to try it out in first, which was just like, right, the fuck you for that. Um, so whenever I go to my parents' place, I just, you know, use that small opportunity to see what is happening on Netflix just in case, which usually is nothing. Uh, hot um, garbage, unfortunately. And that is exactly the case here, because it was kind of like, right, what am I watching? 
okay, I guess the terminal, not a Christmas movie or anything, but you know, Tom Hanks is a Czechoslovakian man who gets stuck in an airport terminal. What if there I was wanted to film, like it because it was really good for like an hour and a half, but there's like, like no resolution. Well, it's just the resolution. There's no real resolution. No, I think I really liked the film, and then I had to go for a similar experience, not as admittedly as long as he did, but yeah. I was trapped in an airport for a while. Not very fun, but um. I have to say, having seen that film before, I, I experienced that. Um, I, I really liked it, but you're right. Like, the ending is, like, he, he does get out, and I'll, spoilers if anyone hasn't seen it, but he gets out, and he get, the whole reason he went there, he, he does that thing that he went there to do. Yeah. So there is, like, that narrative resolution, but there's the whole, the girl that he may or may not, like, will they, won't they, yeah. and then that doesn't, it does feel very... It was just a bit shit, but... Not tied up. At, at- the same I guess time, maybe it's not meant to. But yeah. the thing is, at the same time, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not correct. I don't want to see Tom Hanks have a graphic sex <laughs> scene. Thank you very much. I don't want to see Tom Hanks as an old Czechoslovakian man having sex. <laughs> I know that's an unpopular opinion, but it's just not for me. But also, in You're addition wrong, to that, I respect your opinion. <laughs> what was irking me mm. was, you know, they set that up. As kind of like, right, here's going to be your little bit of romantic hope and all of that sort of stuff. But then it was like, okay, but I, but but where do we go from here? There's nowhere to go from there. Because it's yeah. either it resolves and it's weird, or it doesn't resolve and it's boring. Well, I mean, that's kind but of... It should have been like, I don't know, his dead wife, you know, resurrected from the ground. <laughs> that would have been nice, Once I guess. Once he gets the very last signature... Yeah, he he unlocks the occult maybe, powers to resurrect. Her. Maybe he gets the last signature and then meets like a girl there who's his age, who's like a proper jazz fan, who's and, also and has also been on the same Eastern journey, European block, and is country. also vaguely Eastern European, <laughs> and she's also been going around collecting signatures. There you go, fucking great way to wrap up the movie. Yeah, no, it'd be cool if she had. Well, okay, no, that wouldn't really. I was going to say if she has like the signature that he needs, but yeah. none of the others, but then that just means she has one signature that's not a collection. <laughs> but you get my point. Like, it would be cool if like he gets there and in the time... Oh, okay, already written a better ending. Yeah. In the time that he was in the terminal, that guy passes away and he can't yeah. get the signature and he's just like, ah, oh, shit. That's all <laughs> for like nothing. proper dump of a movie. And then that's when he meets this girl and she's like, oh, that's funny because I've got a signed picture by yeah. him. And then she's like, you can have it if you want. And, and then, then, like, and they, then he's like, "Yeah, but that's not a collection." <laughs> and he's just like, right, he takes bye. it and leaves. With, <laughs> I've completed my collection. This is the Callum Sutton Show. It is a Callum episode with myself, Callum Sutton, and. and uh, <laughs> oh, was I not on? I wasn't on. You weren't on. <laughs> and myself, Alex Cole, and we hope you're doing At least well. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Something like that, yeah. I feel like there's been a million shows where you've also introduced yourself as Callum Sutton. Yeah. And so what happened was... It's um, just a schizophrenia bit at this point. Exactly. Henry took some of these shows and put it through this AI thing that he has access to. You know the standard, like, YouTubers use it as well when they do their shorts. They put it through the AI thing to automatically generate the subtitles. Mm. I think one of the AIs had a fucking mental breakdown oh, in no. the process because yeah. it was like it was trying to it, it essentially it scans for two people, so it's like you know Darren Darren Gooden and Kyle McGonaghy, and then it's like right, well he's going to be blue and he's going to be red, yeah. and so it was like I'm Callum Sutton, I'm also Callum Sutton, oh, no. and the thing just had a fucking meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I don't know which one it is. Whoops. 
um, <laughs> listening to because I, I listen to you know crap tons of music just to kind of like make the show up. Literally, my entire day is spent just with headphones on in YouTube music. Usually, I don't want to be in YouTube music, but it's kind of like it feels like free media is no longer there. Like TuneIn used to be an app mm. where there was like a million stations from around the world, and you could tune into any of them. And these days, really disappointingly, they just push you towards TuneIn's equivalent of whatever that station would be. Mm. So I used to listen to Alt FM in Seattle, which nobody listened to except for me, apparently. Mm. And now I can't get access to it because TuneIn's like, oh, that's out of your, that's out of your location. So we're not going to give you that. Really yeah, why, why would you want to listen to it? So that's yeah. the whole point of your, like, your, your entire function is to allow me to listen to things elsewhere. So yeah. you can't really be judging, be like, oh, you're not going to listen to that. Is I that- want to listen to yeah. the small time radio stations. They're where the best, that's where the best stuff is. And so I spend most of my time on YouTube literally going, give me whatever the fuck you find. Like, mm. you know, I will click on the most dodgy sounding playlist. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, the Chungus Porn Mix <laughs> part two. And it's like, <laughs> as I, as sorry, what the fuck is that even supposed to be? I'll click on that and it'll be like, right, here you go. And, and Chungus uh, FM. And the first song will be Rick Ashley. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Um, but I was going through the top ones, top ones. Yeah, for some reason on YouTube Music, they call it Top Ones, which is a dumb term because, you know... Doesn't roll off the tongue. Doesn't roll off the tongue. It's also the top ten in their case because there's ten things listed. But I was going through, you know, their list of, you know, here's our top ten, all of that sort of stuff, and I couldn't help but notice something rather interesting about the entire thing. That definitely doesn't sound like this decade, that's for sure. You know, Mm. I, I don't know what vibes that gives you, but to me that says Casio Keyboard. Yeah, it's got, like, real, um, well, I guess now you'd call it, oh, synthwave, but, like, yeah. originally it was, hey, we have ele- electronic music now. And so I continue, and that that's that's just murder in the dance floor from the 90s, like, there's, there's nothing special about this. No, but this is, I guess the music industry is going through what the film industry has been going through for a while now, which is, why create a good new original idea when you can just rehash and remake yeah, remember this beloved franchise? Yeah. Would you like us to butcher it into an unrecognisable abomination? No? Well, we've done it anyway. And it's very <laughs> annoying. And I think they're just doing that with music now. It's like, well, why, why make a new song? We can just remix a current existing popular song. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I, first of all, I'm completely fine with like people remixing original songs. It's more just like, why is the chart going towards this? Because we play mm. a lot of alternative versions of older music on the show. Neil Francis's music sounds better with you is coming up in just a moment. Um, but you know, um, uh, this is literally like two, three and four that I'm listening to here. Like this is in their list. This is two, three and four. This is a song by an upcoming rapper. No, it's not. The first one was an up song. Oh, there was a song okay. from upcoming rapper. This is DNA. Well, this just sounds still, like a 90s Nokia ringtone that got turned into a, an extended remix. Yeah, it just sounds like stuff from the 90s. It's like, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like... Because I'm trying to find new stuff. And I, I understand that we've got this kind of like... It's almost like a um, renaissance at the moment. Yeah, but to me, that's just a, a 3210 ringtone. Like, yeah. It's not... I know, okay, I know that's like a small snippet of... It's not the whole song, obviously. But still, like... We, 
you hear it and what what you're going for is oh you know nostalgia back when music was good but then it's a fine line between taking something that was good and making it better which is hard to do because it's good for a reason yeah or you just butcher it and then all it makes people do is they hear it and go hi i really like that song this is shit i'm gonna go listen to the original song so it's a very fine line to take something and improve upon it but it i mean it can be done you look at um i think a good example and this is probably because elton john was involved in it but um with dua lipa where they mashed yes. rocket man and i forget the other song now um together and they essentially just you know frankenstein the two songs together and that was actually really good. And again, that might be, you could argue, is that because Elton John was involved? Is it because Dua Lipa isn't actually that bad? Et cetera, et cetera. But that's actually a really, really good song. Yeah. It's actually two songs, technically. It's respectable for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's hard to do. And sometimes you get a great song out of it. And most of the time, though, you get something that just makes you go, oh, actually, I just, music used to be better than I'm going to go listen to a 90s playlist. Yeah, it can just, it can be difficult sometimes because it's just like, you know, one thing my now you know not no longer existent to me father taught me at some point was uh that there's discovery and there's recovery when it comes to music which you know recovery is your playlist that you go to every single time you finish work or whatever mm. and discovery is those times that you want to kind of like branch out now here's the thing discovery has become ridiculously hard to do recently mm. because everything's being regurgitated at the moment and i feel like the lesser known artists aren't really floating to the top no it's it's the thing is it's it's um it reticulates back on itself so whereas what what it would normally do is you'd be discovering new music you haven't heard before that you like yeah now because all of this new music is rehashing old stuff ironically it's folding back on itself so what you're discovering is old classics you'd forgotten about and which is ironically putting you back into the first category, which is replaying old music that you like. Yeah. So you're not actually discovering anything new. You're just rediscovering old music that you already like. So, yeah, traditionally, yeah, you, you would discover new artists, new songs. And I think the problem is it's just the way music is digested now. You think originally, if you had physical media, a CD, or you know, going back to vinyl, you know, it depends where you are. But anything like pre-digital, I mean, technically CD is digital, but you know pre-streaming when you had to buy physical media um you paid for it and you might as well listen to it now yeah. it's different because on digital you can skip to tracks and stuff but if you think of like vinyl and cassette and cassette and whatnot it's not as easy to do that so you end up playing the whole thing so you may buy it for one song but you end up listening to the whole thing and then you you appreciate that the entire album whereas now you know even not even that long ago if we're talking about like itunes you know, you'd go on there and you'd buy a song, singular, not plural, yeah. not the album. You buy the song that you heard on the radio that you like, and that's it. You don't hear the rest of the album. You hear the one song that's in the charts, and you don't appreciate anything else that the, that's in the album. And there's so many people where you'll say, oh, you like this band. Oh, yeah, I like this song. Cool, so do I. What else do you like? Uh, have you it heard is, anything else? It is no. In some ways, it is nice that now we get the option to literally just listen to the album whenever we like. Because there was a brief period where we were stuck into the, you know, 79p per mm. song. We don't really have any other choice kind of thing. Nowadays, you can literally just go, right, this is the album I want to listen to. And you can just have the entire thing for free in front of you. 
but it's almost like at the same time that the inspirational aspect of it has just disappeared mm. completely. Yeah. Because I go on to my YouTube music. Let's it's, go on to it's here. It's the right concept, but too late. If, if we'd had this 10 years ago, it would have been completely different. Yeah, let's give this a refresh. And, yeah, Stay Lost is something that I played on an episode. So Tired Up is the song that we started the show with. E-Girls Are Ruining In My Life <laughs> is one of the songs from The Witching Hour. The final episode uh, is the intro to The Witching Hour. No Ruined Resistance is the song that we're about to fucking play. Like, every single song in here is like, there's no there's no Dancing in the Moonlight is because we played it earlier. It's It's like, there's no... I can't go on to a playlist anymore and just get, like, wholehearted recommendations. Because if I go on, uh, you know, indie pop energy, instantly it's like, it's going to be something really crap. It's going to be something, yep, there we go, Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon. It's like... I, no, I agree, because it's, it's funny, because I use YouTube music as well. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, Spotify fans out there, but um, go fuck yourself. But I use <laughs> YouTube music, and... As a superior person to you, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's annoying because there is there's like these categories and there is you know like listen again mix for you etc cetera, etc cetera, and one of them is recommended yeah now recommended is quite good but it's very on the fence and I think it's getting worse lately for reasons that we just talked about but traditionally it, it was quite good because I always found it to be hit and miss like you it would recommend something for you It'd go oh you listen to a lot of this artist or this style of music or this genre. And here's some other stuff that sounds like it that you might like. And I was, I would find that it would be one of two things. It would be quite good or very far off the mark. Now, yeah. I'm not saying you're going to like everything, but like out of the playlist it gives you, you might find one or two songs like, oh, that's not that bad. But a lot of the times I would find it's like, it's not even close. And now it's it's even less so for this reason that it's just, it's oversaturated because it's all the same thing that's been rehashed four or five times instead of new original content. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's one of the reasons why I do this show in the format that it is in the first place. Because as you remember, this used to have no music whatsoever. Mm, But as I started to feel the scarcity come in, because how many many years was this just a talk show? Like, from 2009 till you joined in 2015, is that correct? No, it's 2013, I think. So, in that period, there was a maximum of one song per show. No, one song. So, what would that... One song. When would that be even be? I should know. I was on it, but I don't remember. When would the song be? It would usually be at the start. Oh, you'd open with a song, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then it would just be talk for an entire hour. I feel like you then moved to closing on a song as well. Yes, but that was always... start to pick them up. Yeah, that was always going on overtime. So, that was more... Because we're syndicated, because we're going out to different radio stations, mm. there would need to be some sort of closing song in case they needed a presentational exit, as it were. Yeah. Because you can't just it's go... It's a transition. Okay, bye, and then the radio station yeah. plays in. Oh, it's Chat and Spin Radio. That is one I of the stations we're on. You wouldn't be able to... The only way you could do it... Because to me, that's like... Um, yeah, YouTube's the same for that. You think of, like, if anyone has seen Critical, yeah, his outros are painfully curt. And I think that when I first saw him, I was just See like, ya. yeah, literally, so, oh, that's about it. See ya. And that, that's it. That's yeah. his outro. And it's very against the grain because he's been doing YouTube for oh years yeah. and he's always done it that way. He's never had an outro and YouTube, not so much now, but especially traditionally, you always had an intro. You always had an outro. Like that was the thing. And if you didn't, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You're going against the grain. And for for a reason because it just it makes that transition easier it's weird if you just start and just stop it's abrupt and it's 
out of the blue and it does make it easier to transition from one show to the next yeah by having something you can't just fade to black it's not the sopranos you know you can't just cut off mid-set <laughs> it doesn't work it's weird it's clunky you have to have a fade in and a fade out be it music music's the, the easiest way yeah. of doing it because it's audio so, yeah you know. it just means that we can share especially in this kind of like scarcity space that we're in it, it's just nice for me to be able to change the format of the show to kind of like at least expose people to new music that I've heard instead of the usual crap that they'll hear on like any streaming service. I mean, thank God we're not one of those cringe top 40 stations. Anyway, Ollie Murr's coming up and Kelly's had problems with her new kettle. Oh no, we'll come back to that after the Sparkle Come FM Give Me a Tenor concert. In the meantime, here's Kinret. Kinret and No Wind Resistance, the remix, right here on the Callum Sutton Show. I hope you're all doing well. Um, that was that was one way to outro a feature right there. Yeah, well, uh, from now on, we're going to talk in radio voice. We're going to be talking in radio voice. Welcome along to oh. Chaz and Vaz FM. See, I don't know what that's even supposed to mean. I see. Okay, see, that's not that bad, because I don't know how to describe it, but do you know what I mean when I say pilot voice? Yes. Pilots have this thing where it's similar to radio voice, but they talk in a long-running sentences, so they say lots of things fast, and then they just kind of stop, yeah. and then they keep going. And, and we're going to be stopping off in South Missouri. And then they just stop for like three minutes and everyone's just sat in the plane like, are you, are you okay? Are yeah. you? And I think that... What you don't like, hear is the drummer behind him counting him back in. <laughs> it's <laughs> and weird four, though. three, two, one. And we're going to be stopping off at the volcanoes of Vesuvius. I think that like if pilots had radio voice, mm. I think that would be more engaging. But they are very kind of like draw, like southern... I'd love to hear a southern pilot. That yeah. would be like... If you're on like a 14-hour flight, an hour and a half would be sat taxiing <laughs> just draw southern draw hold up i'm getting my neighbor some beers it's just it's strange because like it's i i think i think what it is is that there's a degree of like uh, comforting because um when when you hear a pilot speak mm. it's it's somewhat comforting and assuring but i feel like you'd want that right mm. if you're scared of flying Depends and the guy's like really Right, but like, if you think about it, if they, if you're like a nervous flyer and on the plane, and the guy gets on and he goes, "Oh, right, so um, today we're flying to um, uh, Brisbane, uh, Burbank, um, <laughs> oh, again with a B, uh, Baltimore, that's the one, I think. <laughs> anyway, am I on the right plane? Uh, which, which, um, uh, which, which button does the puts the seat back? Yeah. Anyway, so um, what I'm thinking is that we're going to be leaving in a bit. I need to check if they put the right fuel in. I don't know if it's diesel or unleaded, so I'm going to check. But um, <laughs> we'll be taking off soon. And like, you'd be shitting yourself. You'd you'd have like the grip of death on your seat. You'd be like, I'm going to die. <laughs> this yeah. guy doesn't know what he's doing. So there is that degree of like, it's comforting. It's reassuring. Like that they're speaking like with a degree of confidence, you know. And you're like, you're reassured. But I feel like. There's a fine line there, you know? And I feel like pilots having radio voice, not obnoxious radio voice, mind you, but I feel like that would be a better addition because they do have that annoying way of of uh, being pilots, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I I, I mean, th- there's several things I wouldn't want to hear on a flight. Um, you know, predominantly being... The 
Callum Sutton show. Oh. That, that would that would instantly just be God, a imagine fight being altogether. on a red eye flight Fuck for like <laughs> listening to the Callum Sutton show all things. on repeat. But I usually fly Lufthansa, and that is a terrifying experience sometimes because it's the confidence more than anything else mm. it's the opposite you can be overconfident yeah it's when the wing is falling off and the pilot goes don't worry i got some duct tape and it's like ah fuck we're gonna die aren't you we? can't see this because uh you are out there and i'm in the cabin but yes. i'm blindfolded <laughs> <laughs> it's not a king uh, mainly not a king thing but i can fly blindfolded. I'm just doing the uh what's it called and then all you can do is terrain terrain pull up <laughs> <laughs> just like ah i think this is fine What's that thing where you hit something with a baseball bat and candy comes out? Piñata. Piñata. I'm doing the piñata. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, no hands. <laughs> I mean, I specifically work with Germans quite a lot. And I think it's there's a lot of overt optimism that I really like. I've got to be honest, like, I really like it. Because it's, it's very much the opposite of our British ways mm. of, how you doing, mate? Yeah. I don't want to kill myself. Germans like, do right, not well, you're do. Doing well. Yeah, like it's it's positivity, but I don't know how to describe it. I mean, you'll know because yeah. you. But for someone who doesn't know, they're, they're overly positive without having to display any emotion. Oh yeah, like it's they don't do small talk in Germany, and like it's it's almost rude to make conversation. <laughs> but they're like they're nice, they're friendly, they're just emotionless. Uh, like they don't sound happy they just are and they they don't do small talk they're very like to the point but not in like a rude blunt way it's it's hard to explain um it's it's nice it's refreshingly nice i'll give you that much well, i'll tell you what it's very much like they're kind of just into the big talk like they just skip everything they're just like there's there's a reason they don't like small there's talk no because filler, yeah. they want to get to the important stuff and they're they're very much in you know it's it's well documented that they're about their work. That's why they make some of the best stuff in the world. Mm. It is very much a thing where they're like, I, I don't have time to talk about the weather. Can you fuck off? <laughs> They'll be like, I want to talk about the big stuff. I want to get to the nitty and gritty. Um, but I, yeah, I, I've worked with multiple Germans now, especially in the, you know, when we're flying the Eagle Eye around, because the majority of pilots are German, because, you know, they're very to the point direct just able to follow instructions well and ultimately they are also like insanely polite like ridiculously polite like they will come up to you after having like a, a mental um argument like they you could like crash their car and and there would be like this massive backlash. I'll be screaming at each other, and there'll be rage, and there'll be socks off, and there'll be let's not go too far on that. <laughs> the gloves one. and the socks are off. Man, the gloves and the socks are off. And then the next time they see you, they'll they'll literally bow with like their 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 palms together, and they'll be like, "It's nice to see you again." It's like, how did you get over that so quickly? Well, I tell you why. It's because it's German engineering, and um, the car has no damage. Yeah, also that. <laughs> it's like, you send the car into <laughs> your cars. It damaged. didn't affect me. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's why Germans buy German. You know, I I find it funny because I see a lot of things, and maybe it's just this like post Brexit world. But there's a lot of like made in Britain. Yeah, and it's I was like, about to say, can you imagine Britain buying Britain? It's, it's like just, right. Well, that's broken. Exactly. That you potato don't. is mouldy. It's just like there's anything that's made in Britain. The problem is, is that we had this big hole. You know without redoing the whole like star wars intro scroll with the recap of brexit and why we did it but yep. essentially the whole idea was oh we're taking back control and all that other sound bites um but 
we kind of forgot that we haven't been a manufacturing-based economy since the 80s because, mm. yeah, Thatcher saw to that 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 finished. And now and we a are very, a service-based economy. That is a very loose term as well. Mm. Like, you know. So, like, we don't manufacture anything anymore. And there are still some things we do, like steel, but yeah. who are you going to buy from? British steel or Chinese steel, which is half the price and only half as likely to collapse on you. Chinese steel all the way. by half. <laughs> yes, I, I was terrified <laughs> out in Saudi. The live leak supreme. When I was out in Saudi, they use Chinese steel yeah. to keep the arenas up. And it's like, I don't feel safe right now. You can hear it groaning in the wind, but there's yeah. no wind. And you're like, yeah. why is it moving like this? It's like every oh. single time it gets hot, it sweats. And it's like, I don't think metal's supposed to do that. <laughs> why has it got a wood grain to it? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trust it yeah, at all. Something's seriously wrong. But, you know, we're... We're a design economy. We're, you know, I think that's what we're kind of mostly famous for. Yeah, is... we design it. We sell the concept to someone else to make, probably yeah. Germany, <laughs> and they it's... get all the money, and we get the residuals. We've we've had like a lot of good concepts come out recently, and you know, historically, we've been like head of medical industries, and more recently, we're kind of getting more into technology because ARM is based here, Raspberry Pi is based here. I think Nvidia do a lot of their research down here, or AMD specifically you know, basically calls UK their home now. So we're great with design. We just, you know, would you buy a UK fire extinguisher? Um, uh, I quote famously. A, yeah, yeah. A, a, a fire that's in IT parks. Yeah, it's IT crowd, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. It's, it's true, though, because like anything that's made in Britain, like I, I remember this sticks out in my head very precisely. I remember I was in Tesco, yep. and this was post-Brexit. It was probably like a year in. It wasn't, you know, too deep in. Um, but I very distinctly remember seeing, like, you know how... Uh, Wait, you, hang on, what's Brexit? Oh, you haven't heard? No. Oh, right. Uh, so the, the Union declared war on... Uh, we, we separated, and we're now the separatist states. Uh, it's Star Wars Episode One, essentially. We're the, we're the, uh, the separatists, and we've left the EU. And in um, according to that time traveler on TikTok, um, the EU's just going to nuke us off the face of the earth in about three months. So We left the EU? Yeah. I didn't think we were real. Well, no, we're still on speaking terms, but like, you know, they uh, they get the kids most of the time. We get them on the weekends and holidays. So it's, uh, but they don't talk to us. It's just for the kids. It's, you know, keeping up appearances. So, so what continent are we in now? Oh, we're not. That's why we're surrounded by water. We right. originally were a land bridge, and then um, the French blew up all the land between us, and now it flooded, and now we're an island. Okay. Don't Google any of this. Just take it at face. Believe everything you hear. No, you should believe everything you hear. Especially from this reputable source of news. The Callum Sutton Show yeah. has always been very, very genuine in what we say. I mean, hypodermic needle effect. You know the hypodermic needle effect? The whole, you know... It is the um, interpreting of media. So the hypodermic needle effect was a theory brought out in 1908, and it essentially says that anything that an audience hears is taken at face value. Oh, is this... I'm assuming you're going to talk about War of the Worlds. Uh, that was one of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because um, you would, you, especially in the way it was well, that presented. Was true. It yeah. was all true. It was hypodermic needle. It's all true. It's all yeah. true on here as well. So, okay, so we left the EU... I I don't is is that a good thing for us? Well, it killed George Michael, the actor. Fuck, I really <laughs> liked him in Superbad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he he was doing fine, and then we left, and then 
And then he just dropped dead. And to be fair, every did, when did we leave? Was it 2016? Because 2016, everyone famous ever died. All I know now is I'm thinking of, have you seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Yes. Fucking brilliant film. I was just so like, yeah, good. I can't see Michael Cena as anyone but George Michael from Arrested Development. So every time I see him, I'm like, George Michael, how did he sing when he's so young? <laughs> The mother looks at me and she's like, wow, I wish you were born. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, raising children is, um, as my dad says, raising children is like baking. You always fuck up the first batch and yep. then you, you, get, you, get, you get it down after that, which is uh, concerning. But I mean, on my, on my dad's side, he's got a couple of kids, but yeah, mum's just got me, so she's stuck with me. But um, yep. I'm, I'm an only child and I'm still not the favourite, so I know how that feels. It's, uh, it's not great. <laughs> so who's your favourite child? George Michael. It's oh. like, ah, we didn't, didn't give birth to him. So, um, oh, final answer. That, uh, I remember, right, yeah, that was it. So, you know, in the produce aisle, at the top, like, above the shelving, you've got, like, these banner things that say, yep. like, fresh produce, meat and veg. And, or, not meat and veg, it's produce. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? But there's one of them, it's very distinct. My favourite thing, grown in the fields. <laughs> meat. <laughs> so you go to those kebab shops, so meat and chips. Like, what meat? I said meat and chips. Do you want it or not? It costs three fifty for a reason. Why is this, um, why, why has this meat got a microchip in it? <laughs> is that meat and chips? <laughs> is this a cat? It's got feathers. <laughs> but, um, there was this banner and it said, uh, I cannot fathom this, it says, British, British Pak Choi. Because that's one thing I look for in a Chinese letters is how British it is. If I was really concerned about how British the ethnicity of my lettuce, I didn't realise there was such a thing as British bok choy. Exactly, like there isn't because by definition it's a Chinese lettuce. Now I know we live in this age now with like import and export, like we were saying before. Like yeah. the things that traditionally are made elsewhere aren't. But generally speaking, if I want a Chinese English lettuce. I would just buy like if I'm that care if I care that much about whether or not it's an English lettuce, I would just buy like an iceberg lettuce or something. But yeah. no, I want I want a pack choy, but it's gotta be English. Who I mean cares? I think I think these days it's kind of like you, you don't know what's real anymore. There's just this like it's just co- continuous. There is this like fanatical nationalism that we're going through now as a nation where it's like it's gotta be British. Yeah. It's like right, but the thing you want isn't by definition isn't British. Yeah, but I want it but British. It's like what does that mean? Well, what if, do you, what's a British Chinese? What's a um, what's that term? National? No, British not Chinese. Naturalized. What's a naturalized Chinese yeah. lettuce? <laughs> I never thought that was a sentence I would say in my life. But apparently, these are the important things now. You know, everything's got to be British. I mean, it's everything. It's produce. It's science. Um, I mean, scientists at Bapworth University have discovered more about the Earth by probing the mantle with a hypodermic needle. And they've found out that it's just hollow inside. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. The entire I mean, thing is a globe. It's it's Brian Cox's fantasy come to life. Yeah, it, it turns out that it's um, it's all just a hot, bunch of hot air. It's really. all just a bunch of hot air. Yeah. And that's how we're floating in space. It's crazy. Like, it's amazing we haven't dropped to the bottom of space yet, because as we know, space is flat. Well, they've calculated the rate that we move through space. Yeah. And they've predicted that um, at the speed we're going, eventually we will hit the bottom in about 7 billion years. Yeah. And then uh, we'll probably just bounce really hard and shoot back up again, and then we'll do that bouncing thing for millennia, and then we'll die of heat death for the universe. But they've got to be kind of like, they've got to be... Australia's going to be screwed. They're concerned about it. Well, that's the thing. They need to work out, you know, the projectile, which part of the Earth is going to be smashed into the bottom of the universe. Yeah, but surely everyone on the top will just bounce off anyway. 
Well, everyone needs to move to a safe place, either on the sides or Slough. Maybe not the top. <laughs> well, if Slough's at the top, then everyone will kind of just go to Slough. Well, it's in the middle. And tape themselves to the ground with gaff tape. And then when the bounce happens, they won't, they won't rise from the earth and accidentally get thrown off into the rest of the Milky Way. This is sounding with every word. This is sounding more and more like an Amazon Prime original. <laughs> it's dangerously close. We'll have Robbie Amell and, and um, what's her face? Alexandra Daddario. And yeah. they'll be the two leads. Uh, it'll be like, no, what's that? Uh, Jake I like Paul how Alexandra Daddario is also going to be the scientist who. Oh, yes. It obviously is a honeypot for the, for the rest of the scientists to believe in Hollow Earth. Yes, because you know, she's hot and therefore yeah. she's believable. I. I as I wrote this fucking stupid segment in the car, we were going off to um, the Duke of York. Uh, not the real one, the place. Yeah, and he was, was busy. He couldn't make time for us today. Yeah, it's, it's annoying because... Had he a meeting with 10,000 men or something. Never has... In his dress... Uphill battle. Yeah. As we were in the car, kind of going off to the Duke of York, and I was writing the segment, I was like, this is stupid. Let's try and play it off as hard as humanly possible. I mean, if you can... Well, this is what we were saying before, funny enough, about believing... Th- the hyperdermic needle! Hyperdermic believing needle. things you hear. Yeah, and you should believe that everything you hear on the Callum Sutton show is 100% real. Yeah. Hollow Earth is a thing, and if we accidentally stick the hyperdermic needle in too much, it will eventually <laughs> burst the Earth and will go flying off in the wrong direction. Uh, yeah, but it'll make a cool... <laughs> sound. It'll be quite <laughs> funny before we die, so it will be worth it. <laughs> It's because we were, I was talking about the documentary Beyond the Curve on Amazon Prime, which you watched for 10 minutes maybe before we did the show. That was 10 minutes more than I needed to get yeah. the an idea of the premise. I like the I like the show, that's the thing. I feel bad for like, where's a documentary? It's, yeah, like it's it. a documentary that isn't about the subject, which is yeah. very bizarre. I mean, it's, it's, um... It's, it's weird. It's like a love story that's just kind of like dressed up as a conspiracy. And it's like, but wait, hold on, which is this meant to be about? Is it the conspiracy or the love story? It's, yeah. It's very odd. The difference is with this is there is no third party that's in on it that's like questioning them or probing them. It's just genuinely just them in front of a camera. So it's not quite the same because like, yeah, in Borat with like the, um, where he goes up on stage and throw the Jew down the well like that, like the whole bar's chanting it, but they wouldn't be chanting that unless he got up there and sung it, right? So he was the catalyst for that. And it's the same with the whole film. It's all, it's him going into situations, getting them to react in the way he wants to. Yeah. But with this, there, is, there isn't that person. It's just, it's just them. There's it's no them. one yeah. prompting to get the response you want. They just, they just do their thing, and, and, and it just writes itself, as you said. It's, it's fantastic, yeah, because oh, there, there really is just no, there's no effort in it whatsoever. It's kind of just like, point a camera at something stupid, and it will eventually kind of just... It's monkeys and typewriters. Yeah, it will yeah. make itself in the most oh. literal way possible. <laughs> and and I'll never quite understand... I forgot that this was in the running order. I thought, that. That, I thought we were going into a musical item. Um, I will never quite understand how... We can kind of like. <sighs> there, yeah, there, me there, there is a lot of brain cells. <laughs> There's a lot of brain cells in the world, and I don't think any of them can comprehend what that documentary has in it. I mean, the part that I showed you in the pub mm. that was literally like, there, what was it? There's never been a happy folk song about 9 11. Well, you won't believe what's up next, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Callum original. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
But that was like September eleventh, two thousand and fun. That's a, <laughs> fuck me. That was a literal <laughs> quote from the movie. It that was, was like he compares a national tragedy to a conspiracy. Yeah. And um, there's no shame in it either. No, it's a hundred percent earnest. Genuinely, that, was, that earnest. was him just being like, "Yep, this is my genuine view." Yeah, and it shows that I don't know. I, I wouldn't say they're dangerous. It's just it, it's a weird one. Well, it's dangerous in the sense of someone who doesn't know how to drive. Driving is dangerous. Yeah, it's a lot of misinformation, you know? but, but they affect everyone around them, not necessarily themselves. Yeah. It's a lot of misinformation. None of it is malicious. It's just stupid. Yeah. And they did the experiment at the end where they put together two pieces of wood with holes in them, basically, spaced a certain amount of metres apart. And then they had this, like, really bright light on one side and the camera on the other side. And so they shone it through. And and this is, like, after many multiple failed attempts because either the light was too bright, the hole was in the wrong place, the fucking camera was in the wrong place, they were in the wrong place, they were in Arizona for some reason. The wonky the, the hole was somewhere else. <laughs> they won't go in a straight line. And so the whole idea of the experiment was literally, if the light makes it through, then Earth is flat. Yeah, because if there's a curvature, it wouldn't pass... The further exactly, away you yeah. get, it would just stop shining through. And if we have to raise it up, that proves that there is curvature... And, uh-oh, we've just disproved everything. And it got to the end of the documentary, and they put the light in, and they got the holes ready, and the camera, and they shone it through, and nothing was there. And literally, at the very last minute, they went, hey, why don't you just raise it up ever so slightly? And the fucking light appeared. <laughs> we'll be right back. On the Callum Sutton Show. Yeah, we were just talking about um, Mark Zuckerberg, but we'll come back to that in a moment. I was, I was just wondering if Lucky Palmer had been arrested yet. Do you know what happened with him? I've vaguely heard, but uh, <laughs> like from a million clear. miles away. <laughs> I yeah, vaguely heard, but um, not fully. No, um, I've been keeping up on it. So very specifically with the nerve gear. So Lucky Palmer was the original person behind, or Palmer Lucky. It gets confusing, because it, it sounds like it should be Lucky Palmer. Yeah, it does sound like a, a nickname. Yeah, but um, it's actually Palmer Lucky. But I'm going to continue referring to him as Lucky Palmer, because we don't do corrections here on the Callum Sutton Show. When I decide something's correct, you better believe it is. Yeah, Hypodermic needle. Because that means admitting fault. Exactly, and we don't admit fault, not even to the insurance company. You can't admit fault if you weren't in the wrong to begin with. <laughs> You're wrong, so, they stepped out in front of me. Palmer Lucky is the guy who basically created Oculus. Like, he's the founder before Meta took it over. Is, is this, when you say creator, do you mean the company or like the creator of the product? The Rift? company, the creator of the product of the oh, Oculus he did Rift. Both. Okay. The, yeah, the um, Oculus Quest, all of that sort of stuff. He's basically responsible for all of it. Mm. The reason I've been kind of questioning whether he's been arrested yet, there was a police car there, if you heard it. I did. There you go. You get extra points if you hear the police car in every episode. <laughs> Press one on your handset now if you heard the <laughs> That's a great way to get people to listen to retro episodes is being like, yeah, by the way, it's a police car hidden in every single one. Um, Palmer Lucky basically sold the company to Meta, all of that sort of stuff. And then, you know, nobody heard from him in years. And then he kind of like, out of nowhere, was like, by the way, uh, to celebrate 
um, Fantasy Star Online, I created a Nerf gear in real life. No, I don't know if you're... Oh, I do remember now. This is the one that kills the user. Yes. It has the three bolts and it blows the front of your <laughs> frontal lobe out. I do. I remember this. I thought this was, this was like a meme. Nope. It was 100% real. Genuinely. <gasps> if you pee in the Matrix, you pee in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu Reeves has shit himself six times in this episode, oh, Spam. Um, yeah, so basically he sold... Oculus to Facebook for two billion back in 2014, and then you know went on and did his own things. He started basically researching into further AR technologies. So obviously, kind of getting ready for his next debut of device, whatever that may be, if it is a device. But uh, it wasn't fancy online. It was Sword Art Online. When Sword Art Online finished its first season, he basically decided that he wanted to try and. Recreate the Nerf gear, which I want in, to kill people too. <laughs> yeah, in in Sword Art Online, the Nerf gear is basically an AR headset that users put on, and once they put it on, they can't get back out of it. It rules their life, and if they die inside the game, they die in real life, and they're basically yeah, literally stuck there. They it's have no other option. The Matrix, but anime. It's actually a really good Sword Art Online is is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's a good concept as a. As, as a show, uh, as a real-life concept, however, because Palmer Lucky decided that he wanted to get in on basically the end of that series. Uh, f- you know, he, he decided he wanted to create a Nerf Gear in real life, which was a Oculus Quest modded with free explosive charges okay. inside the headset. And, oh, by the way, it might rely on colours on screen, of all things. Like, if the headset went a specific colour of red, yeah, free explosive charges would detonate into your head. Okay, I just want to point out, this might be a controversial opinion. I think that this product has some limited use, right? So okay, I ahead. don't think that every Tom... Di- I don't think you should be able to buy this, but I think that... Think about what this would do for esports. I'm just saying... <laughs> Just saying, right? I know it's questionably ethical. <laughs> well, unethical therein, but think what it would do for esports. I'm not saying every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I don't think your nan playing Candy Crush should have one of these, but I think that it has it has a place. And I just think that, like, what we need is new blood sports, right? The gladiators are gone, right? But I think, forget Total Wipeout, we need, like, the new era of blood sport and i think esports and blood sports are a perfect combination i think you can merge those two into you know csgo uh, or you know cs2 has just dropped um but yeah just think you, you're just watching the world championships uh like world championships of csgo and then just seeing someone get their brains blown out <laughs> right ladies and gentlemen Welcome to Alex's TED Talk of all things. This (laughs) is the Callum Sutton Show from Opposition Studios. And one thing that I didn't learn about for a very long time, but is insanely intriguing to me, because we were going to talk about, to a certain extent, subliminal horror. So, (laughs) McKaylee, you've hit metal 17 times. There is an Instagram (laughs) account for this, where it is McKaylee, you've hit metal 17 times every day, is turning into its own version of a kind of Pets Cop-esque thing. 
And this is a shout to Under Review, a show that me, Alex, Henry, and TJ recorded six years ago, where we talked about Pets Cop, we talked about Psychosis by Matt Dermesky, all sorts of like subliminal horror, um, the Salad Finger series, and the other stuff that he was doing, all sorts of stuff. And so while we're kind of on this tangent, as it were, you got Silent Hill, which already was fucking with the player in like this insane way because it would pause your game, it would try to delete your game saves, it would mess with your head in every single possible way, and it was you know 100% focused towards the actual player, which you don't see very often. LSD Dream Emulator was a game for the oh. PS1. Have you heard of this? I um yeah, this was wait it was for the PS1. Yeah. I thought it was just like PS1 style. I didn't realize how old is it then? No, it's 1998. Is it? I assumed it was one of those things where we're seeing this a lot now where you get like D makes. Yeah. Where you'll get like The Last of Us on PS1. Which I love. It's great. Which are really cool. And yeah. I, I thought that this, because I remember seeing it like, I don't know, like five years ago or something. And I assumed it was that where it was just someone had like D made it. Because you get a lot of like, especially horror now, you get a lot of horror that's um, like PS1 era quality. Yeah. And. I, I just chalked it up to that. I was like, cool, someone wanted... And it does... It, it suits, ironically. If you were to make this game today, I would make it in like a PS1 style because it suits the the theme and the tone. Yeah. Because it's very blocky and abstract. And I think that that... Because you're not... Ultimately, you're not going for realism. That's not... Like, LSD is surreal. <laughs> so you don't want... You don't want realism. You want surrealism. And I think the PS1 perfectly emulates that so i just assumed it was someone had made it a couple of years ago i didn't know it was that old how did that even get made well it's a weird one because it was literally like so you know no basically nobody up until recently outside of the japanese market had even heard of it so this is why it had the big blow up a couple of years ago exactly yeah because all of a sudden people noticed that this limited release game in japan was kind of like there yeah this is and it pre-digital. hadn't been documented yet so it would have had to have been made and published physically put onto disc and sold in stores you know yep. that's now you anyone can do that you can just go on itch.io and you know throw out any old slop yeah but i mean it's then... it's the exciting thing about the emulation industry so it's only because the emulation industry exists exists and it's so vast at the moment mm. it's so easy to get into that people eventually were like okay well there's this game here called lsd which already is an intriguing name. Might as well download it, see what it's all about. It took a while for people to patch emulators to correctly run it. So, you know, no no wonder it took a while for people to actually get into it, mm. see what it was all about. But when they did, and, you know, YouTube videos, and, and it's, it's very, like, it's voyeur YouTube videos. It's literally like screen caps. It's like, you know, there's no sensationalization around it. Markiplier's not done his series <laughs> yet, all of that sort of stuff. Hello, everybody. <laughs> That sort of thing. You know, Jacksepticeye isn't there yet. Um, It's literally just, you know, it's letterbox, 4x3, uh, 576p, screen caps. You know, it's easy cap. It's your shitty USB to composite dongle. Oh, please. Screen capping this. Tell me more. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Wow, the desk is raising. Uh, <laughs> you got one of those desks, have you? <laughs> Standing desk. <laughs> People started uploading these, you know, 480p 
the screen caps of the game and obviously other people started to kind of catch on to the trend. And when it became really interesting is when people realized that it used it, it used procedural generation like Minecraft uses to create its game worlds. Like none of the game is preset. Well, no, it's, um, well, if, uh, if anyone's played it out there or seen it be played or whatnot, but it's, it's not a, unsurprisingly, it's not a narrative based game. It's not, yeah. it's, it's more of an experience. It's, well, I mean, that's what it's meant to be. It's a simulator at the end of the day, but it's not, there is no direction or form. It's very just as it goes. It's hard to explain if you haven't seen it or played it, but it is, it's what you would expect. Like whatever you stereotypically think of LSD as being, that that's it. And it, it does quite a good, well, I'd say, can't really say it does a good job. I haven't taken LSD, but yeah. it's, it's, it's very surreal. And it, it's more of, um, it's less of a game. The game is more of just like a, a medium it's more of uh, an experience. It's more of like a sensory thing almost. It goes beyond just being like gameplay. It's just it's more of it's what you see and you hear and how you experience it. And that would be interesting in VR. Thinking about it, yeah, it, it's just as as a concept, it is. It's bizarre. Sure, that's exactly what they were going for, but it's also like not very well executed, and that's what makes it executed well. Yeah, because like, if you're tripping, you don't want things to be a perfect experience. Well, that's what such. I was saying before about um, you wouldn't want it to be realistic. You want it to be uh, surrealistic, yeah. so to speak. Like You don't want realism because yeah, abstract concepts like that are surreal by nature and definition. So how do you make... How do you realistically portray the unrealistic? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a very hard thing to do because it's subjective. It's it's all purely based on like no two people would have the same LSD trip. So how do you create a generalized? Yeah, because like I could, um, I could take LSD once and go right. I'm going to make a game purely based on my experience, but no one else might have that. So it, it's it's hard to for something that is just so intangible and vague. It's hard to make that into a physical thing that people can experience. So I think it does a good job of that. But how would you do a bad job of it? You know, it's 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 just so subjective. Like, how would you make it in a bad way? Yeah, uh, I guess you'd make it a first-person shooter or a survival <laughs> horror. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like the evil it's within. Like, by the way, we've got a pet caring game, and it's called LSD. And time I got you, you're going to look after a dog while on LSD. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Single but, um, mother simulation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But for me, it was literally like, it, it was just, it, yeah, it is literally just the way that everything is not stitched together. It's rough around the edges. Is in what a good makes way. it, yeah. And it was only because the, the Raspberry Pi I have basically running the show right now, although it's not doing a very good job because the fucking lights aren't turning off. Um, I, I ran PSX emulator on it and decided to go for LSD and see what it was like. And it's, it's just the, like you, you walk into the slightest bit of a corner somewhere and all of a sudden everything's different. Like the entire game world changes and there's no rhyme or reason for the actual changes that happen. And the game doesn't even respect time. Like it legitimately has no fucking clue what time even is. 
Because sometimes you'll be walking along. It's just a theory. And the level will just change. Yeah. Um, It does have that feeling of, especially in like early PS1 games where things were very blocked out. Yeah. Like now, like if you think of like The Last of Us or Uncharted, like Naughty Dog are really good at doing like these seamless transitions where you go from gameplay to to cutscene and you don't even notice the difference, you know? They do such a good job of that. But in the PS1 area, it was literally just like, Mission 1! And then it would just spit you out in some <laughs> box. And then you, you'd get to the objective, and it would just be like, and it just it just cut out, and it'd be like, loading screen. And you think of like, um, oh, what, what was the name of it? Uh, the James Bond, um, Goldeneye. You think of something like Goldeneye, right? You get to the end, it's just like, Bleep! and then you get like a loading screen, and it goes, anyway, here's the next mission. Yeah, And like, it was very... It would jump around. It was very sporadic. One minute you'd be in the game, then you'd have a loading screen, then it's the next game. There's no transitions. The loading screen was the transition. It would just be like, okay, here's this thing now. And it would just kind of bat you around pillar to post. And that's just how games were then. It's very yeah. jarring now if you made a game like that. But that's just how they were. And it, it, it does that, partly because it's a PS1 game and that's how they all were. But it's weird because like, you'll feel like you've, for lack of a better descriptive, like you've met the objective... Uh, but then when you get to said objective, it just ends and then spits you out somewhere else. But like you, you don't know because there is no overarching narrative or objectives or anything. You don't know what you're looking for. You're just wandering around and then it goes, okay, anyway, here's this place now. And it spits you out and puts you somewhere else. And it's rather bizarre. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe it's probably a lot of it's just time based. Yeah. You probably get to a certain time and it goes, okay, here's the next bit now. Literally, yeah. And it's, it's, it is definitely, as you would expect, is confusing and disorienting. And that's kind of the entire point of the game. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's not meant to make sense by definition. It's meant to be abstract. Absolutely. And I can only kind of appreciate games like that. And it's the reason why I want to see more subliminal horror come to life because you hear enough about it being written i mean i nearly made an entire movie based around it based around matt damaski's psychosis uh you know rest in peace to that whole idea um well why not why don't we pick that back up i i think it was a weird limitation i think it stopped on a very weird limitation which was we didn't have access to an elevator that's a very i mean to be fair (laughs) it is biting off a lot to chew but yeah it's the actual script itself was quite difficult to kind of in my eyes at least because i've written the screen adaptation of it and in my eyes it was just very difficult to kind of do because a i didn't have the equipment i have at the time at the time so now I've got my cinema camera and everything. Yeah, it is a potentially plausible thing to do. I mean, if you can get a light bulb to occasionally sometimes do the to work, then I yes. think <laughs> that you can. Then we can do this. I think it's doable. Because I mean, the like, best electronic engineer at the moment, whoever lived. If if he uh, flushes the toilet or turns on the oven, <laughs> the power goes out yeah. and it starts playing Men at Work. Sometimes I sneeze and my under. tally lights go off. It's quite odd. But other than that, it works most... What's that quote, uh, Anchorman? 60% of the time, it works every time? Yeah. It's promising. It's 70% of the time, it works every time. What um, was that? That was the panther. The panther. This is illegal in like 50 states or something. I yeah. Love that. Such a good film. 
But I mean, it's doable. It's it is just, doable. Yeah, it's a lot of effort, and it as was with just, everything. The more people you have, the easier it is. Yeah, it was just the way that I visioned it because I wanted it to be genuinely fucking terrifying. I was like, well, if you're going to do a to- if you're going to do a horror movie, especially something that Matt Demersky's written, and if you haven't heard anything or read anything by Matt Demersky, definitely check him out because he's a fantastic writer who doesn't get enough attention. But you read you read things like The Asylum, which is available in Kindle, and it is genuinely the most terrifying shit you've ever read. Like, for a good half an hour, you'll be thinking, there is something wrong with the author of this book. There is genuinely something really fucking wrong with him. And I can't reach out for comment on it, but the fact that he manages to illustrate things in such a terrifying way, because The Asylum is disgusting. Like, absolutely disgusting. Like, it's a series of ten books. Uh, all of them, I think, about five pages each. And they are legitimately disgusting. Like, there's there's stories about um, basically an enabler who causes a man to chop his own limbs off. There is a story about a woman who's got schizophrenia and seems to think that she can find food in people. Oh, there is a lot of some like, really Jesus. disgusting stories in it but it's just the fact that he's managed to bring them to life in a way that's actually realizable but well, they're actually like i think that's what imaginable uh, i mean i know it's like different things to different people but for me like you know horror can be scary and when you know when we say horror i mean you look at gaming and yeah if i say horror game you think of five nights at freddy's with it's you know two to five booze and it's like you know a, a jump scare is a bit different to like that slow building dread yeah of, and you think you compare like five nights at freddy's the film to like alien it's like they're two very different things but they're both horror technically and i think that when you're making something that's horror for me yeah and anything can be scary if it's done right but for me i think the scariest thing is things that are scary because they can happen. Yeah. It's like you've got Jason Voorhees and Freddie Mer- Freddie Mercury. <laughs> of course, <laughs> Freddie. Um, <laughs> fuck, what's his name? My brain's like Freddie. Remember, Fosper. Queen can happen at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> Stay indoors, Queen. Are about <laughs> the Queen is breach containment. But no, um, fr- uh, my brain's now saying Freddie Fazbear, Freddie. Flintoff, Freddy yeah. with the scissor hands, Edward Freddy hands. What's his name? <laughs> Edward Scissorhands. God, what's his name? Freddy. Edward Scissorhands, not Freddy. No, uh, Fr- uh, Nightmare at Elm Street. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. Him. Yeah. You think of like Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and um, Michael Myers. Yeah. Right? Classic horror tropes. But they're scary. Don't get me wrong, they are scary, but they're not real. Right? And I think what makes good horror for me, is something that can actually happen. Like, that's great horror. It's something that's perfectly grounded in reality. Yeah. Um, there's a guy called Chillazart. He makes some horror games. Heard of him, yep. And they're all based in t- perfectly real scenarios. And like one of them's like someone who, uh, a girl that works at Starbucks that has a stalker. Yes. Little things like that. I fucking love that series. It's terrifying. It's brilliant. But it's, it's amazing. Th- the thing is, though, it's 100% something that can happen. I yeah. think, for me, some of the best horror... Is something where you don't have to, like with with uh, anything science fiction, like you have to go to great lengths to make it believable. Yeah, and part of good science fiction writing is making something that's believable, right? But I think one of the things that makes good horror is something that the less you have to convince someone, 
because you're tapping into like a primal fear. Like I, I heard someone say, and this terrifies me about um, pareidolia, right? And the ability to see faces where there aren't faces. So like the dots on butterfly wings, right? yes. that kind of thing. Uh, like a weird tree that looks like a face. Like we, we see faces in everything. And then that goes into the uncanny valley of things that kind of look human, but not quite. Something looks off. And someone was saying about how they read somewhere that the reason we must have that ability, because at some point in our, in our evolution, we needed to be aware of things that looked human that weren't. Yeah. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of there was almost human things. But I mean, that could be like Neanderthals and other like uh, humanoids, but humanoids could be alien people it could be reptilians it could be anything you know and i know it's like a bit of a stretch but it's true like why have we evolved this ability to see and be wary of faces that might be predators and yeah especially things that look human and the more the, the more human they are the creepier they get and that's just like a weird primal fear that we all have that's just ingrained into us like um the fear of suffocation is a uh, is a really old uh, development it actually got it predates the brain and it's yeah. in like the brain stem and the spine meaning that there are things that are alive that cannot suffocate like really simple organisms well not simple if they have a spine but you know things that cannot suffocate that will have a grounded fear of suffocation just built into them baked in yeah but they can't suffocate but it's just such an old evolutionary those, response yeah, really weird things like we are the highest order of man essentially and it is literally because of Chiller's art, specifically, that when your fucking phone went off about 15 minutes ago, mm. that I instantly got chills down my spine. <laughs> Why? I don't know, because just small things like that, because of the Chiller's art games that I've played, especially like the Delivery Man series, mm. where it's just like you're just doing the simplest things. Dropping off parcel. But these really tiny sounds just instantly unnerve every single fucking bone in your body and to me that's some of like the best hot i know specifically that's games but it's the same goes for films as well any like horror genre books you name it yeah if you can take something that can 100 percent happen to anyone at any time for any reason that's why it's so scary because you're sitting there thinking that could happen to me well that's why you know? i wanted to do originally matt Demeski's psychosis so yeah, because it's tangible, it's plausible, it's something that anyone could realistically experience. Yeah. Well, it's a fantastic story, and the thing is, it's so simple, it is literally just, like, man's natural ability to deceive itself, but it was like, I want to do it correct justice. So the reason it hasn't been developed up until this point is literally because I kind of, like, when I started rewriting it for screen, I was like, well, I can't just illustrate it as a raw kind of experience. It has to be exactly what the story has put across to me. Yeah. The first time that I read it, when I had barely read any horror at all, some of the feelings that I got kind of just reading it, because a lot of it was like the room closing in on you and, you know, you walk back through the hall and thunder flashes and every single door just looks like a tombstone to you all of those unique details just had to be correct. very visual yeah and you they, have to go how it had do to be I, visual how do i translate that into something physical that you can see yeah yeah it, it was literally justification and so that's the reason why that hasn't kind of come to light yet because it was like you want to do it justice because at the end yeah. of the day you could do like the five nights at freddy's route where it's just oh it's all gonna be jump scares and yeah. it's like well that's not what the original source material was you're you're butchering it 
and turning it into something it never was and and isn't because then yeah. like you're going for like the scare for the sake of being scared and it's like there's a difference between tension and a jump scare is just it's scary because you weren't expecting it yeah it's there isn't like you need the slow build like that's that's horror that's something scary and i think there's like there's a fine line between a horror and a thriller yeah thriller and horror walk a fine line but ultimately just going boo isn't scary in my it, it can be scary isn't horror and i think that it's very easy to go oh well i want to do this thing but i can't adapt it properly i'm just gonna throw in some jump scares oh scary for scary sake and that's just not yeah you're not doing it any justice at it, that point it's got to be authentic it is only the things that truly make your skin actually cruel that are going to eventually get you in the it horror. sticks with you exactly yeah you think about how many terrible horror films you've seen you just forget about them you know exactly and that's why i wanted to do it with precision as if it were dennis lloyd and the reason right here on the callum sutton show as we finish up this uh admittedly if i say so myself fucking fantastic canon episode i mean i disagree i think it's been terrible <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, no it's been I good. think this has actually been a really good episode. Um, Compared to some of the original canons that we've tried to do. Well, I mean, it's the problem is, well, I, was, I was saying this a bit earlier before we went live, about it's it's a fine line because it's not like uh, Friends or How I Met Your Mother where it's like scripted to the, like, yeah. to the beat, insert laugh track, pause for audience slaughter and laughter. Like you've got to, you know, that, that is a fine line between that and... The, the other end of the spectrum, which is what we used to do, which would be you sit down for an hour, you get absolutely slaughtered, and go, so, some weather we're having, and then you just talk for like an hour um, with a song or two in the middle. Um, so I think that there is, there's definitely a marked progression since those days, but I think having like a, a formula to follow gives it a bit of backbone. Yeah. It makes it a little bit more uh, turgid. I think what you're trying there. to say is that the show's very obviously scripted these days. No, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, it says on the script here that I have to, I have to laugh. Callum's going to make a joke, and I have to laugh. Yeah, I have to go. That's really funny, Callum. Oh yeah, uh, sorry. Here it is. Um, <laughs> no, no, I put you on the spot. You guys are funny, haven't you? <laughs> Why do okay, astronauts okay. love the keyboard? <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> they hang out in the space bar. No, we're we're not doing that. Oh. <laughs> Pause for disappointment. Pause for disappointment, <laughs> and then there's cricket sound effects. Oh, I think it has been really good though. No, it has, it has we've, gone well. We've we've had some. I mean, it's not necessarily us. It's more just like I think today's worked out well in terms of what's available to us, as it were. We're becoming corporate sellouts. Yeah, exactly. And now our sponsor, Raid Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> have not you been meeting some meet on some meet someone online? Mm. Raid statute. Raid. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> the problem is, I actually have the um the ad for um uh oh god, what's that? Honey, have you heard of Honey? Have honey you can save honey? you money in two simple clips. Yeah. Literally, I've got that entire ad burned into my head verbatim because everyone had that sponsor. Yeah, I and can. It just lives in my head now. I can recite every single fact about NordVPN. Oh, don't. I use them. Not a sponsor. The number one VPN service uh, who also allow you to use MeshNet services to flawlessly integrate all of your computers together over a MeshNet node. Um, also, by the way, we might be slightly conflicted because you say you use them. Yeah. Uh, I also... Where's the screen? <laughs> 
Oh, sorry, the I... light just came on, so everything <laughs> shut off. <laughs> I also just happened to use NordVPN, oh, which I think... just went off. It is a genuinely great service, because I use their mesh net to manage my remote servers that actually run the show and run the website. I mean, th- they are really good, and we're not just paid to say that. No, and in case you didn't we're literally guess, not paid to say that at all. Callum <laughs> is, however, going to be paid to do be doing the voiceover for their future ads. As yep. you can tell, he clearly has a whole script memorized. Like, seriously, please, NordVPN, contact us. Like, we've been coming out. Oh. Somebody just logged on to PSN. Uh, <laughs> that was in my brain. <laughs> please, NordVPN. Am we, I wearing we need the, the money. nerve headset? <laughs> Uh, more on Paramore just before we finish. Recently, they decided that they wanted to take rights back from their label, promoting an Aristotle reaction. We expect them to start re-recording albums soon. In the meantime, they've pulled out multiple door. They've pulled multiple tour dates, but this just arrived on my phone earlier as Paramore pulls out of South America, <laughs> and I was just kind of like, "Sorry, when the fuck did they start their campaign after over their there? failed invasion of South America?" <laughs> I was just like, I saw that come up on my phone as Paramore pulls out of South America, and I was just like, fucking hell, Hayley Williams is taking this, <laughs> taking this whole record label thing really badly. She's uh, pulling out troops as we speak, and yeah. she will be deploying thermonuclear weapons in South America as soon as the troops are out. It is something that I don't think any of us ever expected. Never forget. Forget what? Exactly. <laughs> And, and with that, I think we'll end today's show. Obviously, episode 2109 for the 20th of January, 2024. Ignore the fact that it says the 10th there. No. I'm not very good at editing these <laughs> show Numbers notes. are hard. Numbers are hard for me. Um, as per usual, thank you so much for listening. Love you all. It's been a fantastic episode. And thank you for Alex Cole for uh, coming over and... Uh, sharing wisdom, as it were. Oh, wow. One man's trash is another man's treasure, eh? (laughs) (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Roots through his brain library for the fold of it just says, crap, I didn't want to say to anyone else. (laughs) Do not say on it. (laughs) (laughs) Too raw for radio. Uh, Finishing today's show, this is Subtract, featuring Samfa and Hold On. And I shall see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you later. Goodbye. Saturnshow.net.